3: Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. You know, attention to detail is critical when you own your own business, so use LegalZoom.com for the legal details. Now, their network of independent attorneys licensed in 48 states, well, they know local laws and can provide answers to your legal questions. LegalZoom.com is not a law firm, so you won't pay by the hour. Just use Hannity One when you check out and save even more. LegalZoom.com. All right, we're live. We're in Cleveland. We are at the Republican National Convention, 800 941 If you want to be a part of the program, a lot of ground to cover. Great guests. It's just starting now, though, a news conference, an update on the assassination, the ambush of these officers in Baton Rouge. Let's dip in and hear the very latest. Posting
4: all of the pictures that you will see to the state police Facebook page. We will open up the questions at the end of all the briefings. And I'll turn it over to Governor Edwards. Thank you, Doug, and good afternoon, everyone. We wanted to have this press conference today to update you on what we now know about yesterday's horrific attack on law enforcement and actually on the entire Baton Rouge community. Specific information related to that attack will will be given to you shortly, and then at the end of the presentation today, we will take some questions as well. First, and and you all know this, it's no secret by now, but the shooter was, in fact, Gavin Long. That information was not given to you yesterday by us because it had not been forensically confirmed as it was at about midnight last night. He's a 29-year-old from Kansas City, Missouri. He came in here from somewhere else to do harm to our community and specifically to the law enforcement officers in our community. And what's telling about that is, for six days prior to the violence of yesterday morning, there had not been a single arrest in Baton Rouge related to any protests or demonstrations arising out of the Alton Sterling shooting. At this point, state and local officials are partnering with federal agencies to keep people safe, and as governor of the state of Louisiana, I have no higher priority than public safety. And I am absolutely confident that we have a team on the ground to not only complete this investigation, but to maintain law and order and ensure the safety of our public those people who live here and those people who are visiting. We have partnering with us federal agencies, some of which you're going to hear from today. I have spoken today with officials from the White House, and I will be in further communication later today with the United States Attorney General, and I want to thank them for their support at this time. I want to assure everyone that this investigation will leave no stone unturned. But what I know, the actions of the law enforcement officers of the Baton Rouge community yesterday were nothing short of heroic. They ran towards danger, in order to protect the public. They ran towards danger in order to render aid to fellow officers. Yesterday I visited with families at the hospital. I did so also last night. These were tremendous officers surrounded by loving families. These were good men. And we all know the story, but it bears repeating now. No greater love hath any man than to lay down his life for others. And so we're gonna continue to mourn the loss of the three officers who were killed, and we're gonna pray for the recovery for the three injured officers. This was a diabolical attack on the very fabric of society. And that is not hyperbole, that is not an overstatement, there is nothing more fundamentally important than maintaining law and order so that people can have good quality lives and that's what he attacked the very fabric of our society and that is not what justice looks like it's not justice for Alton Sterling or anything else that's ever happened in this state or anywhere else it's not justice for anybody it's certainly not constructive it's just pure unadulterated evil And we're going to start our conversations here in Louisiana and around our communities with community leaders, law enforcement, government officials, faith leaders, so that we can find out together where we go from here. And there isn't any one of us who can fix this, but all of us can and will fix this problem. And certainly I don't have all the answers, and I know that it won't happen overnight. But it will happen. And I know that we're going to come out of this stronger than ever and better than ever. There is no division in Louisiana. And make no mistake and let there be no doubt, we support our law enforcement officers and our law enforcement agencies. At Mass last night in the Diocese of Baton Rouge, they distributed the peace prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. And I just want to go over the first two lines of that. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. The kind of love modeled by all of these police officers yesterday, and I want to direct your attention as I sum up to the words of Officer Montrell Jackson from a Facebook post of July the 8th. And this is the last part of that post. Finally, I personally want to send prayers out to everyone directly affected by this tragedy. These are trying times. Please don't let hate infect your heart. This city must and will get better. I'm working in these streets, so any protesters, officers, friends, family, or whoever, if you see me and need a hug or wanna say a prayer, I got you. I'm gonna be followed by Colonel Edmondson. He's gonna give you a lot more specific information as will the other presenters here at this press conference. And then, as I mentioned earlier, at the end of the conference, we will take some questions.
5: All
3: right. That is the Democratic governor of the state of Louisiana, uh, Governor John Edwards. Very powerful statement. What he read at the end there was from Officer Montrell Jackson. I was actually planning on reading it myself. And this was after the the shooting that took place. And I I believe, you know, shortly after the death of Altron Sterling. The guy killed in the altercation with the Baton Rouge police. And then after what happened in Dallas, I'm tired physically and emotionally disappointed in some family, friends, officers for some reckless comments. But, hey, what's in your heart is in your heart. I still love all of you because hate takes too much and too much energy. I definitely won't be looking at you the same. Thank you to everyone who has reached out to me or my wife. It was needed and much appreciated. I swear to God, I love this city. But I wonder if this city loves me. In uniform, I get nasty, hateful looks. Out of uniform, some consider me a threat. I've experienced so much in my short life, and these last three days have tested me to the core. When people you know begin to question your integrity, you realize they don't really know you at all. Look at my actions. They speak loud and clear. And finally, I personally want to send prayers out to everyone directly affected by this tragedy. These are trying times. Please don't let hate infect your heart. The city must and will get better. I'm working in these streets, so any protesters, officers, friends, family, or whoever, if you see me, you need a hug, you want a prayer, I got you. Now, I'm going to tell you, we, we've got to start here. Every day now, it's either a terrorist attack or it is now open assassination, ambushing of America's law enforcement. Our, our best, our bravest, gunned down in cold blood and what we saw this weekend in Baton Rouge this guy literally lures them in lying in wait and fatally shooting three guys severely wounding three others just for being policemen now this is the second attack on U.S. law enforcement in 10 days within that 10-day period by the way your president met with the Black Lives Matter leaders The guy, you know, the group that has members chanting pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. What do we want? Dead cops. When do we want it now? Obama's answer. Well, police can make the job of being a cop a lot safer by admitting their failures. His history of rushing to judgment in high profile racial cases. It is now unconscionable. Cambridge police did not act stupidly. Maybe that would have been Trayvon 35 years ago, but there was an eyewitness in that case that identified George Zimmerman getting grounded and pounded his head into concrete, screaming for his life. And the president rushed to judgment there. He rushed to judgment in Cambridge. The president rushed to judgment on foreign soil, talking about Ferguson we have in our own country. You saw what happened in Ferguson. Okay, what happened in Ferguson was you have one guy that robs a store, intimidates a clerk, reaches in and tries to steal a cop's gun. I'm sure to shoot him and then charges at an officer. How do we know that? Because black eyewitnesses testify to that fact. A president that's supposed to be a constitutional attorney doesn't give them due process, the presumption of innocence, no facts, no evidence, nothing. He rushes to judgment. Meanwhile, 3,470-plus people in his home city of Chicago have been killed on his watch the years he's been president. Thousands of others shot. And what is he? he's mentioned it nine times basically in passing, and it doesn't fit it through the narrative uh, that he wants to advance, the prism of the narrative that he'd like to advance. So what does he do? He's virtually silent. So you got Montrell Jackson... He was a 10-year veteran, 32 years old, Baton Rouge Police Department. By the way, he and his wife had a baby in March. You have this guy, uh, Matthew Gerald, or Gerald, he's 41, served in the department for less than a year. You got another guy, Garofalo, and what, he's 45 years old, East Baton Rouge Parish's sheriff deputy, father of four. These kids will never see their dads again, ever. And of the officers wounded, one is now said to be fighting for his life. Now, what do we know about the gunman? Gavin Long, 29-year-old, African-American, was, quote, targeting police officers. State police officers said today they got a video. You want to hear this guy? Now, this is so we better start paying attention to social media because we better set up a department of social media safety. Because right after these events happen, every single solitary time, we find evidence that they're out there bragging on social media that they're going to do these things,
5: and we don't get this early enough. Listen to this guy. And you got to be promoting. That's the thing, because, like, when I was talking to a young brother, this nigga working at the Little Fools I can't remember, it. like some taco place by the college and shit, working for the right people. And I'm telling him, dog, you got to get skills. And this nigga telling me he already, he went to the, um, you know, you're at a job corps. He already got the shit. Yeah, the carpet and shit, all, certified, got everything. But again, the problem also, promotion We don't know that you carpeting How we know? So, what we do If, if, if my mom don't know that you carpet Who she gonna f- with? The cracker The Arab The Chinese We gotta be thinking, man We gotta be promoting Every time we chop it up We go meet a nigga Here, this my business card, nigga I do carpeting I cut hair I sell this I sell that I paint That's what we gotta be on All day, every day So we can f*** with our own Because these niggas don't give no f***s about us these Arabs, these f***ing Indian, don't they don't give no two about you. Only when you giving them their money. Only when you give giving them your money. Other than that, no, it's you.
3: This is a monster. Was identifying himself as a potential terrorist and killer. And we did nothing to get him ahead of time. Now, even the New York Times put it. The twin attacks, three officers dead Sunday, Baton Rouge, five killed July 7th in dallas along with 12 injured overall now they've now set off a period of fear and anguish and confusion among the nation's 900,000 state and local law enforcement officers if you're a cop and you see in the middle of these two shootings in between dallas and in between baton rouge the president of the united states meets with a group that was caught chanting pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon what do we want dead cops when do we want them now what are you thinking Now, some law enforcement officials said it's been generations since this country has endured two separate episodes in which so many police officers now, now they're being, you know, they're lying in wait and they're ambushing them and they're assassinating them. And then the president's saying, well, the police can make their job of being a cop safer by admitting their failures. Well, how about, Mr. President, you stop meeting with people that chant they want dead cops? This is insanity. Hangs out with unrepentant terrorists. Nobody cares. You vote this idiot into office. Two people, Bernardine Dorn, Bill Ayers. They are part of a group that bombed the Pentagon, the Capitol, New York City Police Headquarters. He hangs out at the Church of G.D. America, the Reverend Wright, the the Sunday after 9-11. No, no, no. Not God bless America. G.D. America. America's chickens. Coming home to roost. Unbelievable. We've not seen anything like this. Heather McDonald is a really incredible scholar at the Manhattan Institute, writing in the City Journal, says the overwhelming odds are that the most recent assault on law and order is the direct outcome of the political and media frenzy that has followed police shootings of Alton Sterling and Baton Rouge And Philando Castile in Falcon Heights, Minnesota, less than two weeks ago. The frenzy further amplified the dangerously false narrative that racist police officers are the greatest threat facing young black men today. then she added this. President Obama bears direct responsibility for the lethal spread of this narrative. You need to take control of your family and assets. Now, it sounds like common sense, but too many people procrastinate instead of getting an estate plan before it's too late. Now, with LegalZoom.com, there's no reason to put it off any longer. Now, you don't have to figure out on your own whether you need a will or a living trust and what's best for you. Instead, you work with an independent attorney, now available in 48 states. Now, they'll walk you through your options and recommend an estate plan that offers the best solution to fit your needs. And since LegalZoom is not a law firm, well, you can count on efficiency and value. Everything is on your schedule, your terms, plus you know what your estate plan bundle costs up front instead of worrying about high hourly rates. Now, that's how LegalZoom has become the leader in helping families with their legal needs. You get the legal help and you walk away feeling great about it. So don't leave the most important decisions that you can make in the hands of other people. Take control of your family's future with an estate plan bundle at LegalZoom.com today. Just use Hannity One when you check out and save even more. LegalZoom.com. Coming up, we have former NYPD Commissioner Bernie Carrick, Dr. Sebastian Gorka joins us today. Uh, Newt Gingrich, he'll be speaking on security. Today's theme, I think, is what? Make America safe again. Couldn't be a more appropriate time. Pastor Daryl Scott, the Reverend Charles Christian Adams, all coming up here from Cleveland and the Sean Hannity show and the best election coverage. A couple of programming notes. Um, all right. So we are starting TV one hour later tonight. And here's why. So they say, all right, well, you want to do your hour? And I said, you mean when everybody speaks and I have to carry the speeches? And they said, yeah. Or do you want to do 11 or 12? And they said, here's my choices. 10 o'clock when I have to. Let me go now throw to this speech. Let me now go through to this speech. Let me now throw to this person. I, to be perfectly blunt, that's not fun for me. Anybody can do that. I could be a robot and do that, you know, whatever. So I said, no, I'd rather I'd rather do the commentary. Like Donald Trump finishes his speech Thursday night at 10.50. I want to be on at 11. And so they said, well, do you want to do one hour, two hours, three hours? You can do it everywhere. I said two hours is enough. I do three hours of radio a day. Five hours a day is great. So one hour later, and that's 8 to uh, 10 on the West Coast, 11 to 1 Eastern. And we have such a line. Rudy Giuliani tonight. We have Governor Perry tonight. Uh, we have Marcus Luttrell tonight, Laura Ingram tonight, Newt Gingrich tonight. We've got the best people. And so uh, tune in at 11 when the speeches stop. I know a lot of people like to watch that, and I like to watch it. But in terms of doing a show, I'd rather talk uh, because I am a talk show host. So that's that. Um, we have a lot of ground to cover today. I, I want to go back to Heather McDonald and her statistics. I want to read this again. Because writing in the City Journal, she says the overwhelming odds are this most recent assault. Remember, now we're ambushing. Now we're having people lying in wait to assassinate America's police officers. She said it's the direct outcome in Baton Rouge of the political and media frenzy that followed the same police shootings of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile in Minnesota less than two weeks ago. And then she writes, that frenzy further amplified the dangerously false narrative that racist police officers are the greatest threat facing young black men today. Now, why do I bring up 3,470 plus people killed in Chicago, Obama's home city so often? Because it's his home city. And because it doesn't fit the racial narrative that he wants to advance especially as it relates to police officers. And I played that montage again and again. I'll play it later in the program today. He doesn't talk. 3,470 is a lot more than Michael Brown and Trayvon Martin and Freddie Gray and the Cambridge police. So and then she goes on to say President Obama bears direct responsibility for the lethal spread of this narrative. She goes on in a speech from Poland hours before five officers assassinated. It was three hours before he spoke out again against cops. And in the interim between Dallas and Baton Rouge, of course, Black Lives Matter. Pigs in a blanket, frying like bacon. What do we want? Dead cops. what do we want them now? They get to go to the White House. Seriously? Who is this guy hanging out with? Anyway, so she points out that in a speech from Poland hours before the five officers assassinated, In Dallas, and the others injured, Obama misled the nation about policing and race, charging officers nationwide with preying on blacks because of their skin color. And then she writes these withering words. She wrote, Obama rolled out a litany of junk statistics to prove that the criminal justice system is racist. Then five Dallas police officers gunned down out of racial hatred and cop hatred. What did the guys say? Now, Obama's the only one in America that couldn't figure out why this guy shot these cops in Dallas, considering he said he wanted to kill white people and more specifically white police. Anyway, so, you know, did Obama shelve the incendiary rhetoric and express his unqualified support for law enforcement? No, not at all. He doubles down, insulting law enforcement yet again, even as they're grieving for their fallen comrades. In the memorial service in Dallas, Obama rebuked all of America for its bigotry, paying special attention to alleged police bigotry. Obama was fully on notice that the hatred of cops is now reaching homicidal levels. And yet this commitment, she writes, to prosecuting his crusade against phantom police racism, Trump considerations of prudence and safety on the one hand, and decent respect for the fallen on the other. Wow. Those are pretty powerful words. And, you know, look at this. He has a history. The constitutional expert, uh, president of ours. Now, he can hang out with radicals like the Reverend Wright, Frank Marshall Davis, and uh, what's the name of that? That father, Flager, and Arizon Dorn, and Alinsky is Alinskyite disciple. And an acorn organizer. Everybody in his life has been radical. He is radical. Hillary is just as radical. Seven hours, you can't even get a comment out of Hillary Clinton? After officers are assassinated in cold blood, lying in wait to kill these people? He's quick after the killings to condemn the violence. But he and his administration, and especially his two attorney generals, Holder and Lynch, frankly, you know... We're cowards on race. What did, what did Eric Holder say? You know, really? You know, I, look, I'm all for GoPro for cops. I want to see video of every incident. I think going forward, that's great. But this president, every single time, has put a false frame around police encounters that are high-profile with black Americans, making it seem like cops are racist when, in fact, there's no evidence of racism involved. That was the case in Cambridge. That was the case with Michael Brown and Darren Wilson in Ferguson. That was the case of Eric Garner in New York. You know why Eric Garner in New York happened? Because the guy was selling loose cigarettes. What a stupid law New York has in place. They don't have anything better to do. And then cops are sent out with quotas and how many tickets they've got to get good grief so stupid add to that time and again the the president rushes to judgment no presumption of innocence for police you know all these incidents he claims are driven by racism uses it as a narrative to discuss racism when then later it is proven false he'll never walk it back and say i was wrong Michael Brown Ferguson speaks out before any facts, evidence, due process before the presumption of innocence. Not granted in the case of cops. Cops fight for our presumption of innocence. So when's the president going to have the guts to stand up to groups like Black Lives Matter, which was born of a falsehood? Remember, Black Lives Matter, you know, hands up, don't shoot. That never happened. When is he going to stop inviting them to the White House? When has Obama lectured Black Lives Matter formed on a false premise to them to cut the inflammatory rhetoric? What do we want, dead cops? Nowhere to be found. Not this president, not this radical. Hillary Clinton, she's seeking the advice of these groups. He condemns violence against cops. He won't say a word against the main group in America promoting hatred and racial grievances against police officers. Nope, they get an invite again and again to the Obama White House, constantly going out of his way to talk. He's comparing them to the women's suffrage movement. He's comparing them to the abolitionist movement.
6: One of the great things about America is that individual citizens and groups of citizens can petition their government can protest, can speak truth to power. And that is sometimes messy and controversial. But because of that ability to protest and (laughs) engage in free speech, uh, America over time has gotten better. Uh, We've all benefited from that. The abolition movement was contentious.
3: Good grief. Do you hear what he's saying there? Do Do you understand how profound that is? He is legitimizing Black Lives Matter and therefore legitimizing their anti-cop agenda, comparing it to the suffrage movement, comparing it to the abolitionist movement. Now, if the main thing driving Obama, if the main thing is concern for black lives, then, as I have been pointing out, then he would speak out vocally, loudly, passionately, consistently— Also, too, about black-on-black violence, which is far, far more responsible for the death of young black lives in America, even his home city of Chicago, than anything the police are doing. But he doesn't speak out. 3,470-plus in Chicago alone. Now, imagine this. Imagine if America's first black president spoke to the black community— about the violence that is engulfing the black community in some cities it would have the potential to have a tremendous positive impact and save the lives of our fellow human beings extraordinary reach it could be extraordinarily productive but of course being a radical leftist he can't escape his radicalism his left-wing ideology And as a result, America on his watch is more racially divided, as proven by polls, you know, more polarized, more angry, more on edge and increasingly more violent than when he took office. And Republicans now, they they say they're running on law and order this election. Smart to do, because right now and Trump is running on this in good measure because of Obama and Hillary. Now our cops have been so demonized. And now being targeted for assassination. This leg you know something? There's nothing I can think of that this guy has done that has made our country a better on the economy. It's a disgusting mess. I have statistics about black Americans. I've been putting them on TV. If you're black or Latino, guess what? You're not doing any better under Obama. You know, if you look at the numbers, they're they're astounding. African Americans on food stamps, since he's president, up fifty-eight percent. Fifty-eight percent. Number of African-Americans in poverty is up 10% under Obama. Number of African-Americans out of the labor force up 20%. 50% of black teenagers can't get summer jobs. The home ownership rate is down for most black Americans now. You got median real income dollars. If you, whatever you are making in, in 2008, you're making $2,400 less if you're a black American. Good grief. It's pathetic, but 90% of the vote goes to the Democratic Party every time. President's lecturing. Police can make their job a lot easier. Seriously? It's unbelievable. These are unbelievable times we're living in. So, oh, by the way, don't forget his rhetoric. They bring a knife to the fight. We bring a gun. You know, the, the social Darwinists, all the other crap and rhetoric that he says. Oh, yeah. Americans need to tamp down the rhetoric. Hillary Clinton responds to the the assassination of officers seven hours later. Gee, thanks, Hillary. Another Milwaukee officer was shot. And here we are in Ohio, and they have open carry laws, which I'm in favor of. I don't have a problem. But when the new Black Panther Party is coming to town, and they're saying they're bringing weapons with them, and Black Lives Matter is saying the same thing, you got groups saying they're targeting celebrities for assassination. You know, look at look at the economy. All the people have messed up. Look at now we discover a secret document lifting the veil on this Iranian nuclear deal that would cut the time that the number one state sponsor of terror would need to build a bomb in half. And they gave him the money to do it, one hundred and fifty billion dollars. And he pulled out of Iraq and Syria and created a vacuum for ISIS with the financial benefits of oil that they now control and then of course he supported Mohammed Morsi and then of course he can't say radical Islamic terrorism and then of course you know we're not safer and we're not more secure we're not more prosperous he's doubled the debt he's taken on more debt than every other president before him combined and Hillary's planning to just finish the job he started well finishing the job means finishing your country wake up because that's what's happening But don't worry, the polls show, well, it's about a 50-50 chance that Hillary Clinton can win. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I mean, Florida, Trump is up by a couple. Ohio is up by a couple. Pennsylvania is up by a couple. Uh, He'll win Indiana, North Carolina. I saw Trump was down. We got to win North Carolina. We got to win Virginia. It was tied in Virginia in a poll. That's decent, but it's not great. We're, We're literally hanging in the balance as a country here. Now, if we have an agenda that gets our debt under control, that makes us energy independent, we, we save American jobs by securing the border, we make our country safer by securing the border, we get rid of Obamacare so we have competition and people can once again afford health care, you know, all of which would be a good thing. It's a pretty bold agenda. Building up our military, saving our VA and, and, and fulfilling promises we've made to our veterans, all good things for the country. I, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm ju- I am so angry. I feel so badly for the, for the families of these fallen. My words, they're in my thoughts and prayers, is not the answer. The answer is respect for police officers, and it has to start with the President of the United States. Good Grief. These kids will never see their fathers again. Great. Great. And I'm so livid, words can't describe it.
5: You're not seeing
6: Mitt Romney, you're not seeing John McCain, you're not seeing most of the Republican Senate candidates who are in tight races. How much does that hurt?
7: I don't think it matters much. I mean, I think the the reason people nominated Donald Trump is they weren't happy. And frankly, the Bushes are behaving, I think, childishly. Childishly? Childishly. I mean, Jeb lost. You know, get over it. I mean... The fact is, this Republican Party has been awfully good to the Bushes. And it's showing remarkable little gratitude. Mitt Romney. Romney refused to endorse Reagan. And I was there in 94 in the debate with Teddy Kennedy. He refused to say that he was for Reagan-Bush in, 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 in the 80s. He refused to support the contract with America. He comes along and says, oh, I've now changed. I'm now a real Republican. Well, that lasted as long as, long as we were supporting him.
4: Mitt Romney was really happy.
3: All right, second hour, Sean Hannity Show. As we come to you live, we are in Cleveland, Ohio, the site of the Republican National Convention, all part of the best election coverage available on your radio dial. That was former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, on with George Stephanopoulos. Mr. Speaker, how are you? Glad you uh, could be with us.
7: Well, I'm delighted to be with you, and uh, we're having quite a a convention in Cleveland. I think it's coming along very, very well. I think people are very excited by what's going to happen over the next four nights, and they're very excited by... Uh, looking for uh, you know Trump's speech, uh, and uh, on Thursday night uh, it would be a very important moment in the whole campaign and you know, communicating what kind of president he would be and, and why he is uh, you know running for uh, the presidency. So uh, so far I, I see this as one of the, maybe the most exciting convention since uh, Reagan in 1980.
3: What do you think, you know, we just answering the question, there are some crybaby sore losers. You know, remember the, one of the first questions, if not the first question in the first debate, will you support the person that wins? That, that question was really directed at one person at that time, and that was Donald Trump. Donald Trump was the only person that said he wouldn't pledge and promise to support the eventual nominee. He said he wanted to see how this worked out and and how people treated him in the process, whether he was treated fairly. They made a big deal about him eventually signing on to the pledge. And you have people like John Kasich, and I don't think Ted Cruz is endorsed, even though he is speaking at the convention. Uh, You mentioned Jeb Bush. Lindsey Graham is another one. What do you make of just that broken pledge? They gave their word.
7: Well, I think, you know, politics sometimes does tough things to people. And uh, I think that uh, if you look at the folks who are are not supporting Trump, or at least not showing up a significant number of them, people he beat. Uh, and I think that's unfortunate. And I think it's almost ironic that everybody else was eager to have Trump pledge back when they thought he would lose. And then when he won, they kind of forgot that they'd signed the same pledge that they wanted him to sign. So, you know, but, but look, we're, we're looking to the future. You now have a good solid ticket in in uh, Trump and Pence. Uh, you have huge issues with Hillary Clinton, which frankly get worse every day. The new report out today that the uh, nuclear agreement with Iran actually allows the Iranians to get nuclear weapons in about half the time we've been told publicly. The secret side agreement just came up you know, available today, uh, and and every time you turn around, there's another story about how uh, the Obama Clinton model is failing America. So. I think uh, we have big issues, much bigger issues than uh, whether or not some disgruntled former candidate shows up. And I don't sense anybody here walking around with a long face saying, oh gee, you know, I really miss uh, those guys. Uh, They're very happy to be here. They're very happy. I'm on the way to do an event for Senator Rob Portman, uh, who has got a huge crowd of volunteers here. And uh, everywhere I've been, I spoke to some 400 folks from New York State this morning. They were all very pumped and actually Feel like they have a shot at carrying the state for,
3: uh, with Trump. Mm-hmm. Look at the backdrop of this convention. We have now had two incidences where now it's the open assassination of police officers. Look at what happened in Nice. Then, of course, before that, it was Orlando. Before that, it was San Bernardino and then Belgium. And then, you know, terrorist attack after terrorist attack. You mentioned now we see the secret side deal, which allows the Iranians to move much faster than anybody knew. And they get the $150 billion. You know, you look at the economy and you can add that to the mix. But these specific issues of security, terrorism and the assassination of police, what should be happening now?
7: Well, I'm, I'm going to talk Wednesday night about safety at home and safety abroad, and I think that may end up being the biggest issue of the campaign. Uh, people don't like the fear that they or their loved ones could be killed, and they look at what just happened in Nice, where this guy gets in a truck and kills 84 people. Uh, they look at what happened at the uh, uh, nightclub in uh, Orlando, uh, where 47 people are killed. They look what happened in Bangladesh at a delicatessen, uh, where dozens were killed. You know, they'll probably think, there's something wrong here. And the number of terrorist attacks have gone up. They've more than tripled under Barack Obama. Uh, and so you have to look at the, the Clinton-Obama model and say, you know, it's not working, and it's it's making it dangerous for Americans, both at home and abroad. That may become the biggest single choice for the fall campaign. You know, are you really comfortable with uh, Hillary Clinton's policy of failure and her inability to solve the problems, or do you want somebody tougher and stronger who's going to uh, aggressively go out and try to defeat terrorists?
3: There's certain elections that are really choice elections here. If you look at every major issue, how to deal with Islamic terrorism, how to deal with immigration, how to deal with Obamacare, uh, how to deal with uh, building up our military or not building up our military, America's role in the world, uh, school or school choice or giving it back to the states, uh, constitutional originalist justices versus liberal activist justices, this is about as close as a choice election as we ever get, right? Right.
7: Yeah, I, I think this is going to be comparable to the election of 1896 or 1828 um, or 1860. I mean, the the difference in the future between a, a decaying Clinton America paying off the unions while they fail to solve problems versus a very dynamic, exciting uh, new ideas America led by Donald Trump. The difference is so wide that I, I don't remember any time in my lifetime we've had this big a choice.
3: I can't think of a time, even even Reagan versus Jimmy Carter. I don't think it gets. Uh, I don't was, even it think it reaches it, that it level. It wasn't
7: this big a choice. I mean, Carter had not done nearly as much damage as Obama and Clinton have done, uh, and uh, so the, the turnaround wasn't nearly as difficult and nearly as challenging.
3: Yeah. Let me talk about moving forward for the campaign. Uh, You wrote a really nice, I thought very complimentary, extremely complimentary piece. And you said it on my show last night. You'll be with us on Hannity Tonight. As a matter of fact, all week you're stuck with me. Um, I don't know how you ever, how how did I ever get you to agree to that? But thank you. Um, But... In, in all seriousness, we, we discussed last night Mike Pence, and you're extremely happy with the choice, although you were in the mix. You were the final two. Sure, but I think sometimes you look and you say, you know,
7: uh, the other guy for, for this moment in time, what Donald Trump needed was a, a symbol of stability and a symbol of practical outreach, uh, and Mike Pence can do that. I mean, Eccleston has known Mike since he first came in because she worked on the Ag Committee and he served on the Agriculture Committee as a freshman. So, all the way back in 2001, she said, you know, he's a really nice guy, he's smart, uh, but he's very low-key, and he's very positive, and he's very friendly. And I think that they need that. I mean, they've already got aggressive, policy-oriented, you know, public speaker in Trump. They're not necessarily the second person who's like Trump, which I would be like in terms of style. They need... I think somebody who is a little more able to sit down with Paul Ryan or, or with uh, Mitch McConnell or with others of that you know that kind of background and say, OK, guys, let's be practical. Let's apply common sense. Uh, and I think Pence is going to be very, very good in that role.
3: Yeah. All right. So if you're not on Trump moving forward and, and I've I've thrown out a couple of ideas, I think one you like more than another. I would like the idea, I think you successfully proved to the American people that when you put ideas and promises, bold solutions down on paper, that, and you make a promise, give us this job and we will get this done. In your case, it was 10 items. It was called the Contract with America. I would like to see Trump's promises to America. I brought it up with Paul Manafort. He seemed to like the idea last night when I, when I broached the issue with him. And the second thing is maybe start naming some names of people, the type of people that Donald Trump would surround himself with. With. For example, I read in The Hill yesterday that you are open to taking a significant role within, the, within an administration of Donald Trump
7: sure. Look, I'm going to do everything I can to work and help uh, the next president of the United States succeed, particularly particularly if it's Donald Trump, because I can imagine. I'm not quite sure how I could work with Hillary Clinton, who I think is the most corrupt person ever to be nominated for president. But I would would gladly and sincerely as a patriot work with Donald Trump. But I think he's going to have a good team. I'm I'm hoping he'll be able to convince Rudy Giuliani uh, to be the uh, Department of Homeland Security. I'm hoping he'll be able to convince uh, Chris Christie to be the uh, attorney general. I mean, he's got a number of very talented people out there that could come in and do some big
3: Jobs. Well, I could name some other names: Pam Bondi, the AG of Florida. I can name people like Bobby Jindal. Uh, we could talk about General Flynn. Talk about people like yourself. Um, I think there's a, a really strong bench. Maybe people like uh, former Governor Perry of Texas, who did a great job in the economy there. I think he could play a, exactly. big, a significant role. Yeah,
7: so, so I, I think you can imagine Trump assembling an all-star team that would begin to move the government in the right direction and move the economy in the right direction and move our our national security in the right direction. I think that's the kind of team he's going to need because it's a big, big, big job.
3: Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about how you, A, respond to the predictable attacks by the Democrats. Republicans are racist, sexist, homophobic. They want to poison the air, water, kill children. How do you respond to that and throw granny over the cliff? And then what is the best strategy to defeat her? Is it with ideas? Is it a positive campaign? Is it a combination of pointing out that she lies a lot? Is dishonest, probably deserve to be indicted?
7: Well I think I think the first phase Republicans have got to come kind of head on and, and express their concern and their commitment. As you've pointed out, uh, when some thirty four hundred people get killed on the south side of Chicago during the Obama presidency, you know, Republicans ought to be right in there saying, you know, we we wanna fix the safety problem so that your child can live, so that your neighborhood can be safe, so that your family can can barbecue outside and not worry about a drive-by shooting. Uh, I mean, I think we have to go in and fill the vacuum. You just saw the uh, Democrat prosecutor fail for the fourth straight time. Trying to uh, uh, take the uh, policemen who were involved uh, in the, in the death in Baltimore last year, now you know that is an example where we ought to be stepping in and saying this, this person ought, ought to be kicked out i mean I, this is prosecutorial malfeasance to engage in that kind of behavior, so we have to be prepared to be on black radio, and we have to be prepared uh, to carry the fight offensively, so it was not us saying hey i 'm not homophobic or i'm not you know i'm not racist it's us saying Let me show you the positive things we're doing that would improve the lives of people you're talking about.
3: So I I I put those statistics up on the screen last night, about 58 percent. I mean, I think they're they're pretty breathtaking. Fifty eight percent of African-Americans, an increase of 58 percent of African-Americans on food stamps. Here's the frustration when you do talk about the police. The president invites Black Lives Matter a group that chants pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, what do we want, dead cops, when do we want them now? They've been to the White House a number of times. Hillary consults them on issues involving the criminal justice system. There's 3,470-plus Chicago uh, residents that have been killed since Obama's been president. He never touches that, but he's wrong on Ferguson, he's wrong on Trayvon, he's wrong on Cambridge, and you mentioned Baltimore, four of the six already found not guilty.
7: Well, and I think, I think that. It's a a tragedy for America that the first African-American president, who's had two African-American attorney generals, after seven and a half years, Gallup reports that it's the worst race relations in 17 years. And it's just a sign of a tragic failure of leadership on the part of President Obama. But I do think we have to show on a positive way, and I, I very much appreciated what Senator Tim Scott did in a very powerful series of speeches on the Senate floor talking about race in America. And I think we can come up with ideas, and we can come up with solutions, and we can improve things dramatically, and we've had governors uh, who've been doing great jobs. Uh, you mentioned Rick Perry, John Kasich. Uh, the, uh, well, by the way, where the is
3: John Kasich as it relates to? He made a promise and pledge too. It's a little annoying.
7: I know. It's part of the same problem of a, the, the, sort of the crybaby caucus. Uh, but... Uh, the other thing you ask, I think, is a one-two punch. I think we need a punch of very positive ideas that really address the needs and concerns of all Americans, and then I need to put—we need a punch that defines just how corrupt and just how bad Hillary
3: Clinton is, and what a disaster mm-hmm. her policies have
7: been. But we you need to—we do need to use both of those punches to knock her out.
3: The thing I think that I have always liked about you the most, and we've been friends since 1990, you're always looking. For solutions for problems that the country faces. And with 95 million Americans out of the labor force and 50 million in poverty and 46 million on food stamps and one in five American families without a single member working, one in six males, 18 to 34, are either in prison or in their mother and father's basement because they can't find a job. I, you know, we've got to fix the country for them. So the, the ladder of success that so many of us have been fortunate to be able to climb is available to every American and that's what motivates me and i love that you always come up with great answers ideas solutions you're always thinking and usually you're right and your opponents are wrong so anyway thank well, you for being we're, with we're us. going
7: to continue doing that and i think that's going to be a hallmark of you know and then paul ryan to his credit has, has put together an entire package of proposals and and uh, looking across everything from poverty to health to the economy to taxes uh, yeah, i haven't seen know, really, really i haven't really seen
3: a, a, an articulate agenda there but i will talk tonight uh, former speaker of the house new Kingrich, is with us we appreciate it i think it's fair to say, number
6: one, any of us would be pretty angry. Number two, that the Cambridge police uh, acted stupidly. I think Ferguson laid bare a problem that is not unique to St. Louis or that area and is not unique to our time. And that is a simmering distrust uh, that exists between too many police departments and too many communities of color. We've heard stories of some of these young men of being stopped and put on the ground by police for no reason. And we have to close the justice gap. How justice is applied, but also how it is perceived, how it is experienced. Eric Holder understands this. That's what we saw in Ferguson this summer when Michael Brown was killed and the community was divided. But the anger and the emotion that followed his death awakened our nation once again to the reality that people in this room have long understood, which is in too many communities around the country, a gulf of mistrust exists between local residents and law enforcement. I think that there are circumstances in which uh, trust between communities and law enforcement have broken down, and and uh, individuals or entire departments uh, may not have uh, the training or the accountability uh, to make sure that uh, you know they are protecting and serving uh, all people and not just some. What's also true is that there are still instances in which a young black boy or brown boy is not being evaluated in terms of risk precisely in the same way as a white young person might be uh, by the police. Too many instances of what appears to be police officers uh, interacting with individuals, uh, primarily African-American, often poor, Uh, in ways that raise troubling questions. Too many young men of color feel targeted by law enforcement, guilty of walking while black or driving while black, judged by stereotypes that fuel fear and resentment and hopelessness. And the worst part of it is it scars the hearts of our children, scars the hearts of white children who grow unnecessarily fearful of somebody who doesn't look like them. stains the heart of black children who feel as if no matter what he does, he'll always be under suspicion. That is not the society we want. Now, the challenge for us as the federal government is, is that we don't run these police forces. I can't federalize every police force in the country and force them to retrain. But what I can do is to start working with them collaboratively uh, so that they can uh, begin this process of change uh, themselves. We have to own up to the fact that occasionally there are going to be problems here, just as there are in every other occupation. Uh, There there are some bad politicians uh, who are corrupt. There are uh, folks in the business community or on Wall Street who don't do the right thing. Well, there are some police who aren't doing the right thing. I think there are police departments that have to do some soul searching. I think there are some communities that have to do some soul searching. Uh, But I think we as a country have to do some soul searching. All of us as Americans should be troubled by these shootings, because these are not isolated incidents. They're symptomatic of a broader set of racial disparities that exist in our criminal justice system. I would hope that police organizations are also respectful of the frustrations that people in these communities feel and, and not just dismiss these protests and these complaints as political correctness or as politics or attacks on police. There are legitimate issues that have been raised and there's data and evidence to back up the concerns that are being expressed by these protesters. And if police organizations and departments acknowledge that there's a problem and there's an issue, then that, too, is going to contribute to real solutions. And as I said yesterday, that is what's going to ultimately help make the job of being a cop a lot safer. It is in the interests of police officers that their communities trust them and that the kind of rancor and suspicion that exists right now is alleviated.
3: All right, 24 now till the top of the hour. As we come to you live, we are at the RNC convention. We're in Cleveland. We're in Ohio, right in the heart of all that's happening here. So the nation is now facing terrorism, and we have a leader that won't acknowledge radical Islamic terrorists. He thinks ISIS is the JV team. He says they are contained. He even said it again after the most recent attacks. And then we have a president. That is his rhetoric against police officers in the lead up to now, what is the targeted assassination of our nation's law enforcement? And yet, this president now lectures everybody else to tone down the rhetoric as we head into the political season. It is the height of hypocrisy. This president that has rushed to judgment time and time again, never allowing the presumption of innocence, never allowing due process, never allowing evidence to be presented, being dead wrong, a four time loser, now that we have a fourth. Baltimore police officer acquitted in the case of Freddie Gray. Four out of four. They're 0 for 4. In the case of Ferguson, he was 0 for 1 there. Uh, Cambridge police, 0 for 2. Trayvon Martin, 0 for 3. Baltimore, 0 for 4. And yet he builds up this sentiment again and again and again. And we have the two biggest security problems our nation has faced in a long time, and this president is on the wrong side every time. Anyway, joining us to discuss, debate both of these issues, Sebastian Gorka. He's the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Defeating Jihad. Former NYPD commissioner Bernard Carrick, welcome both of you back to the program. Bernie, let me start with you. We've got the targeting of the police uh, again and again. You just heard the montage The president has been on this rhetorical, has had this rhetorical battle against law enforcement going on for years. He's rushed to judgment in every high-profile case that has come down, but he virtually ignores 3,470 people killed in his home city of Chicago since he's been president. Your thoughts?
8: You know what, Sean, I I think uh, the bottom line is he, he should practice what he preaches when it comes to the rhetoric. You know, yesterday he, um, in the aftermath of the assassination of these cops in Baton Rouge, he said that we have to tone down the rhetoric, that we have to, you know, that people have to, uh, you know, not be so judgmental. You know what? He should have been saying that from the beginning. Uh, it, it, this, this, this attack on police all across the country, and, and we're up 94%, 94% right now over the last year, in cops gunned down in this country in one year, 94,
3: almost 100% increase. Do you, for the, the top Cle, uh, Cleveland Police Union official has said Obama has blood on his hands. One, do you agree with that? Two, they have open carry here in Ohio. By the way, I'm a very big pro-Second Amendment guy. Uh, I have a, a concealed carry permit in New York. I've had it all my adult life in whatever state I've lived in, do you think when the new Black Panther Party is getting permits to open carry weapons, would it be wise in light of what's happened to at least temporarily suspend it knowing that there are people here that want to target cops?
8: I got to be honest, Sean, I'm a bit surprised because this is a national event. This is a, uh, you know, a presidential event. I'm surprised the Secret Service couldn't come in, in uh, conjunction with the governor uh, and the other agencies and put a hold uh, at least, at least in the surrounding area of the convention um you know they do you listen you have open carry laws in certain states but you can't go into the federal building in that state with a gun you can't go Well into I will the state say this out. in their
3: defense because I'm here I'm on the ground and the the amount of in other words if you look at the perimeter that they have set up around where the actual convention is it is literally impenetrable it is right. I mean for me to get to the convention I I have to go blocks away and get wandered right. and, and go through security, then I have to get on a shuttle bus, then I get over to the arena. I mean, it's it's right. that difficult for everybody.
8: Well, listen, of course, you know, they're doing their job. You don't want to make the cops' jobs harder, though. You know, you get some lunatic that wants to show, you know, he, he's got a weapon. He wants to go out there and protest to demonstrate. He may not have a negative, uh, you know, thing in his mind. He may not be out there to hurt anybody but you have a bunch of mm. raven lunatics that are you well
3: they, they're here they say they're charge. here and and yeah and they're going to be with open carry let me bring in dr gorka dr gorka a president that won't acknowledge terrorism once again we see the carnage he still doesn't say the words radical islamic terrorism you say we can defeat these people but you can't if you don't identify them correct
1: absolutely absolutely this is you know the the analogy is if If somebody walks into a hospital with cancer and the doctor says you've got a cold, well, that patient's going to die. And that's what we've been doing for seven years. We've said there is no such such thing as jihad. Uh, The guy in Orlando was a sexually repressed homosexual. The uh, the individuals are feeding their wives, eating pork, whatever it is. You can't talk about jihad. Well, if you can't talk about jihad, then the jihadis will keep on winning that's the truth sean
3: isn't this the truth though the groups that chant uh what do we want dead cops when do we want them now pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon dr gorka that to me is a terroristic threat and that's what we hear from black lives matter and then the president invites on numerous occasion occasions these people to the White House, compares this to the the suffrage, women's suffrage movement and the abolitionist movement. And I'm thinking, really? They're calling in the streets for dead cops and you're inviting them to the White House and you're comparing them to... Past American heroes?
1: Look, it, it really makes my stomach turn. I lose my appetite and I get angry. But I have to applaud you and your team. Whenever you put those montages together, you, you just make the slam dunk case. Every single soundbite you've delivered from the president tells you that we have a commander in chief that is stoking the flames. This is a man who's saying, you know, arrested while walking because you're black. This is a man who just said we have to retrain and re-educate all policemen in America. What is this, North Korea? This is outrageous. The people who put on the uniform of the police, of the police officers every day, they now risk their lives because they may be assassinated, not shot by a bank robber, but assassinated in cold blood because they have the wrong skin color or because they're wearing a badge. We, We have... We have a a black president who has created divisiveness and racial tension in in ways that we haven't seen since the 1950s short.
3: yeah you know it's funny you think back uh, bernie carrick remember the comment obama made if they bring a knife to the fight we bring a gun he's saying this yeah. weekend well police can make the job of being a cop a lot safer by admitting their failures well the statistics don't bear that out larry elder was on last night we went over all of those numbers together and now he's lecturing everybody about tamping down inflammatory rhetoric and you know hillary responds seven hours after the assassination of these officers in baton rouge uh, Uh, I'm not particularly impressed and we had another Milwaukee police officer also shot in an attack. And if we go back even further recently, it's it's San Antonio and it's other cities, uh, Chicago, Dallas. uh, Now what happened in Baton Rouge? This seems to now be open warfare against America's police.
8: It's the same exact rhetoric, Sean, that was going on back in the 60s and 70s, early 80s. With the Black Liberation Army, Black Liberation Army, and the Black Panther Party, and what they were doing then is they were making nine one one calls, having cops respond to certain areas, and then they were assassinating those cops. We're seeing exactly the same thing happen today. What happened in um, Baton Rouge is exactly what they were doing back there uh, in in the '60s, '70s, and early '80s. And you see an increase in all of these groups: the Black Panthers, the Black Lives Matter. The you know there's these other. Um, you know, anti-white, uh, anti-American groups that are growing in numbers, and it's all as a result of our political leaders that are basically telling people that there's a racial divide between the the police and the community, and that the, the police are out there to target minorities when it's not true.
3: It really is not true. And you know what? Think of what you did in New York with Rudy Giuliani. And when you guys went out there and you went into the most dangerous areas based on crime statistics, and you saved lives by reducing the number of murders to from starting at 2,500 and then reducing it down to less than 300. Anyway, I appreciate you
8: know it. I, yeah, real quick. That's what's ignored by everybody. They, the, yeah. the minority communities were the biggest benefactors for the from the crime reduction. Yeah.
3: All right, listen, I want to thank you both. You're both uh, heroes to me. We really appreciate you being with us. This is These are really, really tough times, and I cannot believe that America's best, uh, those that protect us, those that serve us, those that put their lives on the line for us are now being subject to assassination. It is it is beyond any conscience or soul that anybody can have to treat people that way.
6: I would hope that police organizations are also respectful of the frustrations that people in these communities feel and, and not just dismiss these protests and these complaints as political correctness or as politics or attacks on police. they are legitimate issues that have been raised, and there's data and evidence to back up the concerns that are being expressed by these protesters. And if police organizations and departments acknowledge that there's a problem and there's an issue, then that too is going to contribute to real solutions. And as I said yesterday, that is what's going to ultimately help make the job of being a cop a lot safer it is in the interests of police officers that their community is trusting and that the kind of rancor and suspicion that exists right now is alleviated
5: and you got to be promoting that's the thing cuz like when i was talking to a young brother this nigga working at the little Fools i can't remember it like some taco place by the college and shit working for the right people and i'm telling dog you got to get skills and this nigga telling me he already he went to the um you know you had a job corps he already got the sh Yeah, the carpeting is all certified, got everything. But again, the problem also, promotion. We don't know that you carpeting. How we know? So what we do? If if, if my mom don't know that you carpet, who she gonna f with? The cracker, the Arab, the Chinese. We gotta be thinking, man. We gotta be promoting. Every time we chop it up, we go meet a nigga. Here, this is my business card, nigga. I do carpeting, I cut hair, I sell this, I sell that, I paint. That's what we gotta be on. All day, every day. So we can f with our own because these niggas don't give no f about us. These Arabs, these fing Indians, don't they don't give no two f about you. Only when you giving them their money. Only when you give them your money. Other than that, f no, it's f you.
3: All right, that was the Baton Rouge killer, Eugene Long, in a rant that he had made. One of many one of the things we have got to evaluate. By the way, news roundup information overload. We are in Cleveland, we're at the RNC convention. And what's so frustrating about both of those comments, first of all, you hear the guy. We've got to do a better job of identifying these lunatics before they act. We need literally we need like a Department of Homeland Security media focus. I don't know what you call it, but we've got because so often we find out, oh, this is what he wrote here. This is what he wrote there. This is what he said five days ago. This is what he said 10 days ago. And that that creates terroristic threats. That person, we have the right to identify them, investigate them and hopefully prevent, you know, tragedies like this. You know, think back to the one tragedy people say, yeah, well, San Bernardino, we saw this guy and a bunch of people working in the garage late at night. It was suspicious, but we didn't want to be called bigoted. So therefore, we kept our mouth shut. No, we got to open our mouths. We got to watch social media. These people want attention. They're craving attention. They're getting it on social media. And they are literally telling us ahead of time exactly what they're going to do. It's unbelievable to me. And before that, there's the president. President, why is he blaming law enforcement? I don't care if it's Dallas. I don't care if it's Baton Rouge. You you, you know, these guys were ambushed. These cops are being assassinated. And the rhetoric that he has been using now for years and the rush to judgment that he has been guilty of for years has now impacted people's minds. He's created a narrative that is false, that police want to go out and kill innocent people. That's not the average cop. The average cop puts on the uniform. They obey the laws. They do their job. They protect. They serve. They risk their lives for you and me and every single American. And now they're getting assassinated. They're getting ambushed. Well, if the cops do a little better job, you know, they are a big part of the problem. No, that's not what the problem is. And by the way, the president's a four time loser by identifying, rushing to judgment without evidence, due process or the assumption of innocence, presumption of innocence. He's out there. Well, that could have been me, Trayvon, 35 years ago. Trayvon could have looked like my son. Uh, Ferguson we all saw what happened in 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 Ferguson in our country as he speaks you know on some foreign soil someplace somewhere or when he speaks out in in the Cambridge police acted stupidly why they arrested his friend no they didn't act stupidly anyway here to help sort a lot of this out pastor Daryl Scott is with us he's a founder senior pastor of the New Spirit Revival Center he's a Trump supporter the Reverend Charles Christian Adams, presiding pastor of the Hartford Memorial Baptist Church in Detroit, Michigan, welcome both of you, Pastor Scott. I hey, find sure the president's I find the president's re- rhetoric. I find him the idea that he meets with Black Lives Matter, a group that has members chanting, "What do we want? Dead cops? When do we want them? Now? Pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon." I find it abhorrent. Do you believe he's contributed to an atmosphere? That is increasing the distrust and the hatred of police.
9: Absolutely. I mean, Black Lives Matter began with good intent, but it's devolved into just bad activity. The thing is, you can't do the right thing the wrong way. And now, after his speech on yesterday, it seems like he's trying to place the blame for those murders on the American public or on different political parties. He's telling us that we, can't, we have to give up the exercise of free speech in order to... Uh, A walk in fear that somebody's going to murder us you know he's saying we can't have inflammatory rhetoric wait a minute first you want to take away the second amendment now you want to take away the first amendment you want to take away you want to tell us well don't say anything wrong and they won't kill the police that's like telling a woman don't wear a miniskirt you won't get raped you can't do you can't say these things to placate these criminal activities and you know social media like you said sean is giving a platform and giving leadership to those who should not have that platform, the idiots and subversives and fools are getting platforms out of social media and using those uh, platforms in order to do harm to American society. It's not good at all.
3: Let me ask you, I don't Reverend, like, I don't do you like, think what he's saying? Reverend uh, Charles Christian Adams, do you think it's appropriate for the President of the United States of America to meet with a group whose members are chanting, "What do we want? Dead cops? When do we want them? Now? Pigs in a blanket? Fry them like bacon?" Do you think, what what message does that send when people from that group get to go to the White House? Is that appropriate to you?
10: Well, first of all, that group really doesn't have a central leadership core. They've tried to kind of form one as they have gained uh, notoriety and visibility. But that's an Internet-based organization and the different chapters do not represent everybody who's in the group. And there's bad, ant- bad apples in every bunch. And what President Obama is trying to illustrate. I didn't ask you if there's bad. I didn't ask you if there. Wait, whoa,
3: whoa, whoa. I didn't ask you if there's bad apples. Nobody, nobody's saying every cop is perfect. There are some bad cops. I think there's ways that we can monitor police behavior. I think GoPros. Sure, I'm not talking uh,
10: about cops. talking about Black Lives no, Matter. I'm asking you. I am kids asking kids are in you. in that movement who aren't saying fry them up like bacon and pigs in a blanket. Excuse me. It was kids a, kids
3: would you like me to play the chants for you? Because the chants are pretty darn loud. A pretty significant uh, part of that audience was chanting that. What do we want, dead you cops? what do we want them now?
9: You may, who, whoever is in the position of leadership in that group, should stand up and denounce that that rhetoric. That's rhetoric right there. That's inflammatory rhetoric right there. Okay. Now,
10: whoever is mean? in leadership, you're saying they have no central leadership. Well, whatever leadership they have, they need to stand up and denounce that. I denounce it. But I'm telling you this,
3: that doesn't... Denou- All right, if you denounce that, that, here's my question. If you, mind- den- if you denounce that, do you denounce the president of the United States of America and the Democratic Party uh, presumptive nominee Hillary Clinton continuing to meet with these people? Doesn't there need to be some standards among top leaders not associating... With radical groups,
10: look. We meet with all kind. Of, we meet with hostile nations. We meet with all kind of people. President Obama has tried to bring. We're not meeting with the head of violence. of calm. We're not we're meeting with and the young man. The the people who are committing violence are hiding behind the movement. Really, they're they're not even in the movement for change. And it's better to have these kids with these, this field of expression than for kids. Who are out here finding guns and other types of violence to express themselves wouldn't you rather have them chanting wouldn't you rather have them no I, I think if, if but no because you know
3: what there, there, listen you're the you're the radical. wait a minute wait a minute you're the preacher and the bible does says something about lusting in your heart doesn't it and that if you lust in your heart you commit adultery so you're saying wouldn't i rather them chanting if you're beginning to think about killing cops and what do we want dead cops? Uh, no, you're. If, if you can go there mentally, spiritually, emotionally, sure. Daryl Scott, tell no, me agree. if I'm wrong. Pastor Scott, is that not the beginning of the process of going there?
9: Yes. Let me tell you something, Shaw. Black Lives Matter attracts the radical element of society. If Black Lives Matter denounced violence and then squelched and suppressed violence, whenever they had an activity, if someone did try to step out in violent rhetoric, whatever, if they immediately uh, suppressed that, you would see them lose membership. It attracts the, the violent element. It attracts the uh, subversive, subversive radical element of society. That's the attraction right there. And so they need to make some type of statement that only
5: uh that 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 you know i listen i got
9: to tell you something. this is
3: very very frustrating you know and then the president we, compares them you to you this cannot... compares this to the hang on let me say something then the president compares them to the women's suffrage movement the abolition movement and i'm like what where is this president that he's so he can't say radical islamic terrorism there is something pathologically off about this man I don't know totally, completely what it is. I know that deep in his heart, he is a radical, has always been a radical. You know, would you go to the church of Pastor Reverend Wright, where he's screaming at the pulpit, G.D. America, not God bless America, G.D. America, G.D. America, the Sunday after 9-11, America's chickens coming home to roost. You think that's appropriate, Pastor uh, Pastor Adams? No, no, look, I'm asking, do you think that's appropriate? Would you go to that church? Yes or I no. That, uh, yes or no. Would you, you go to that possibly? church?
10: Jeremiah Wright has been to my church and I've been to Trinity many times.
3: Oh, so you would and go to hang out with him. Wait, so you'd go to a church of a guy that says G D America. Jeremiah Wright's your good friend? My good friend. And he wow.
7: is a
10: veteran G- of the
3: armed forces.
10: G D and America. He has given more to this country than a lot of his. Critics. G D
3: America. Yeah. You go to the church of G D America. Why, you America, go there. U S
11: of K K K A America's chickens i
3: home. at home.
5: Roost. No, no, no! Not God bless America. God damn America. God damn America. You're
3: proud of that, Yewo? Wait, 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 wait. I won't answer I this. You're of proud of that? I agree with it, but if you we agree, GD, related, you, you want God not to bless America, so but you
10: want GD America. We are either a nation that believes in freedom wow. of speech, or we are a nation that doesn't. If I didn't talk about, about that's not nation nation that's about freedom, freedom of speech.
9: Freedom of speech. Why should Barack Obama compare. tell us not to exercise our freedom of speech because we might get to get killed by a subversive?
3: Speech Wait a minute. I want to go win. one at a time die now, Daryl Scott. I want to ask you a question, Pastor Scott. Would you ever go to that church?
9: No, I wouldn't go nowhere near that church. And you know what's so hypocritical about it? You want to condemn America while you exercise America's freedom. You want to take advantage of America's benefits and then condemn the country that provides the benefits to you. How hypocritical is that?
10: Well, Pastor, it's hypocritical to say freedom and then try to stop people from saying what they believe. Either we are free to speak what we believe or we are not. How can we fight for freedom that doesn't exist?
9: We're not trying to stop them from saying anything. We're trying to stop them from murdering police. We're trying to stop them from inciting civil dis- uh, 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 disunity. Think about it. You even in free speech, you can't holler fire in a crowded movie theater.
10: There are some things that, even in your exercise of free speech, that you should be prohibited from saying. You can't. Well, you make sure street. that you say that when they. You haven't heard any of you condemn the people who have threatened the president. They threatened his life. Who's threatened the president? Who? Who's threatened the? Wait a minute. I want to know. Who, give, me on, on the the that, give me distracted. the name of the person that. Give me the name of the
3: person. That has threatened the president. Give me the name. In the halls yeah. of Congress yeah. to
10: his face. Nobody condemned any when they called him a liar to his face. John, I didn't hear you condemn him when they called hey, listen, him a liar uh, Listen,
3: I have said again and again, well, I think the president has lied to us. I think Hillary's lied to us. And I think they've lied but repeatedly. But that's inappropriate. But no, it's if you listen, if somebody tells a lie, you know, look at the interview uh, with the FBI director and. And Trey Gowdy, he says Hillary lied again and again and again and again and again. If she lies, I call a lie for what it is. You know, there's a there's a phrase in the Bible, Pastor, you ought to know it better than me. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. (laughs) I got I got to go, guys. I appreciate it. Friends and talk to your
6: neighbors. I want you to talk to them, whether they're independent or whether they are Republican. I want you to argue with them and. Get in their face. We talked to these folks because they potentially had the best answers, so I know who's asked to kick. We're going to punish our enemies, and we're going to reward our friends who stand with us on issues that are important to us.
3: Oh, we'll reward our friends. Punish our enemies. They bring a knife, we'll bring a gun. We're going to know who's asked to kick here. Get in their face. Get in their face. Oh, now we're going to get lectured by, by President Civility on the need for civility. Uh... Their plan is for dirty air and dirty water. Oh, the, the, They're social Darwinists. I am so tired of phony, just phony hypocrites. He doesn't have a clue. And then the president goes out, oh, police can make the job of being a cop a lot safer by admitting their failures. Why do you say that in the aftermath of the assassination of our nation's law enforcement officers? It makes me so angry. I can't even describe my literally my blood pressure is going through the roof. I'm so pissed off. I cannot take this anymore. And then we have Hillary Clinton. Fifty seven percent of the country thinks she ought to be indicted over the email server scandal. Then you got the rest of the country thinks she's a liar, dishonest, not trustworthy. And I'm thinking, really? And she has a chance of winning. It's 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 beyond anybody's imagination. Anyway, glad you're with us. Best election coverage available on your radio dial. Let me give you a few programming notes for the week. So here's the deal. So we're on 11 to 1. Here's the problem. I was given a choice. Do I want to do the 10 o'clock hour, my usual hour, and go, oh, here now is so-and-so speaking. Here now is so-and-so speaking. Here now is so-and-so speaking. Or did I want to have the speeches end every night around 11? For example, on Thursday night, Donald Trump will speak. And the scheduled time is from about 10.10 10 to about 10.50. And if that goes on time, I, I want to comment on his speech. I want to talk about it. So I was given a choice. I could do 11 or 12. Fine. I could do 11 or 1. I said, fine, I want both hours. And so I'm, I'm really appreciative that we have the time tonight. So we'll be on right after a lot of the speeches. We've got the best guests, the best lineup, the best people You don't want to miss. I'll give you an example. Tonight, we got Laura Ingram. Tonight, we got Newt Gingrich. Tonight, we have Rick Perry. Tonight, we have Rudy Giuliani. And that's just touching the surface. So uh, the best election coverage is 11 to 1 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. That's 8 to 10 out on the West Coast. All right, let's get to our busy telephones here as we start with MJ is in Florida. MJ, how are you? Welcome to Cleveland and the RNC Convention.
12: And hey, uh, Sean, how are you? Um, I've oh. called you a few times. Semper Fi, former Marine. Yeah, Semper On like a piece of garbage, ex-Marine that I won't even identify. I am. I had so much stuff I wanted to talk to you about my family's in law enforcement and the Marine Corps. And um, I get sick every morning when they have to leave the house to do their job. And I honestly was waiting for the um, Obama to say some stupid crap yesterday, like he did in Dallas last week. But because he didn't. I just heard Hillary put her giant foot in her big fat mouth today in front of a podium that had Black Lives Matter on it and NAACP, and the stuff she said, I really hope you play on your show when you get a chance. And she was pandering to that audience because I think she was like, oh my goodness, Obama dropped the ball yesterday, so let me let me pick up his rhetoric of divisiveness where he left off last week in Dallas and let me not fan the flames. Well, let me put some gasoline on it so we get some real good protest going on you know just a little bit over there where the rnc is going on she's got some nerve so if newton needs a little bit of advice or trump needs some advice or pence needs some advice on how to how to uh, run the election you hate America? Vote for Hillary. You have no heart for this country? Vote for Hillary. You want to take the Constitution and wipe you, you know what, with it? Vote for Hillary. Because the same people who take this Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the amendments, with their First Amendment and their Second Amendment, that they want to hide behind when they need it most, the same people do not want due process for these police officers. They don't want, I, I can't take it anymore. I am sitting here shaking. I am so upset.
3: Um, listen, I got to tell you, when I saw this story yesterday, my blood is boiling. You know, when Boiling, I, read,
12: I forget about uh, it, I don't listen, have any water left to boil. It's boiled dry.
3: I got to tell you, when I watch another terrorist attack, another terrorist attack, another terrorist attack, I think of the president's anti-cop language. I think of him being wrong and rushing to judgment and not giving due process or the presumption of innocence to cops. That makes me angry. Meeting with Black Lives Matter repeatedly, a group that says, what do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? Not mentioning, acknowledging radical Islamic terrorism, the JV team, they're contained. I mean, I just go on and on. It's... It is so pathologically different and bizarre and weird and strange. I warned all of you back in 07 and 08, he was a radical. We did special hour programming week after week about how how he is out of touch with the mainstream and all of the fruits of his radicalism are now coming into fruition. I have the same warnings, the same admonitions about hiring Hillary Clinton, who is a known liar, corrupt just crooked in every single way to be your next president unbelievable and you know what if i i honestly think if she if she wins i just lose hope let's say hi to christopher he's holding down the fort in new york city our hometown am 710 wor the talk of new york new jersey long island welcome to cleveland christopher what's going on
8: well sean i just want to say it is an honor to talk to you and to be on your radio show
3: What's going on? The honor's all mine, mm-hmm. sir.
8: Mm-hmm. Sean, I have to disagree with Mike Pence as Donald Trump's VP pick, because I don't feel that Mike Pence and Donald Trump are on the same page. I watched the 60 Minutes interview last night. Donald Trump dominated that whole interview. Mike Pence and him don't don't agree. And I don't think that whoa, Mike... Whoa, whoa, whoa.
3: No, wait a minute. I interviewed Pence the other night for an hour on Friday uh-huh. night. Let me tell you Um, something. They agree on 95%. Are you married, for example? No, me, no. I'm not married. All right. Have you ever been married? No, never
8: been married. I haven't found the right woman yet.
3: You ever have a girlfriend? Yes. (laughs) Did you and that girlfriend agree 100% of the time? Of course not. No. Okay. So you're never going to have two people that agree on everything. Now, with that said, you know what? I don't see much disagreement. Uh, I question Pence about their disagreements, and they're really insignificant. And what, on the big issues, and I think the pretty bold agenda that Trump is trying to transform the country back into it, what it once was, I think they're in full agreement. I think it's a conservative agenda. I've said it from the beginning. I think he means what he says. And this is where America now has their choice.
8: Well, I have a fear that if Hillary Clinton picks a woman or picks an African-American to be her VP pick, I don't know if my opinion... What do you mean, mean if she picks again. an Amer-
3: Listen, if you want to play gender, race, um, identity politics, you can you can you can do that all you want. But to me well, and you, but between me and you, I don't really see, I, you know, I, it, people vote for the top of the ticket unless there's a big problem with the bottom of the ticket. For the most part, it doesn't influence elections. All right. But I got to run. Thank you, buddy. Elaine is in Pennsylvania, which is now a swing state. Donald Trump winning in the latest poll. What's up, Elaine? How are you? We're glad you called.
13: Hey, son, How you doing? Hey am good. How are you? Um, y- your programs have not fell- and fallen on deaf ears. I've listened to you, I don't know how many years, but this is the first time I'm calling in. Um, I traveled extensively for 30 years for a technical company. I've been all over the world. And I'll tell you what, as a woman, as a woman who has a carry permit, leaving the Second Amendment, and I do a lot of volunteering, I think more pe- women need to come out. Because we are in a big trouble as far as terror and what's happening within our country itself. I, I am happy to hear that tonight Trump's going to be talking in reference to make America safe again. Because I'll tell you, I have never felt more unsafe in my life than I have in the last couple of years. And it is getting to the point where I, I, I speak to everybody on both sides of the party, and women are are they're just going out and and getting carry permits people are are afraid they're listening to the news every night and i have nieces and nephews and i have friends who are first responders and when i see what happened over the weekend again my stomach is just turning and i'm not a weak woman i am a strong woman I, and i can't even talk to anybody at this point who is even thinking about voting for hillary clinton i had 30 years of i had to take uh go over and my life away because I had to accompany with patient data and understand that if I would do anything with, with, with manipulating data, I would be put in jail, fired, and fined. And I can't believe we have this woman who's running for president. So no. I just wanted to tell you, it's not falling on deaf ears, and I want to thank you and people on your show. Listen, I just hope the American day.
3: people, have, you know, pain is a great awakener. Sometimes people think pain is a bad thing. Fear is a bad thing. I disagree. I think fear makes you stronger and helps you when you conquer fear, you then become courageous. You know, I think the same thing, the pain of failure of an administration that's been so bad as this one, I think hopefully paves the way that people wake up. They want to fix the economy. They want America to have their role in the world put back in place, as it was as a leader in the world. So I think there's a lot of great things that could come out of uh, Obama, and that is hopefully an administration that will re- reverse all the damage that he's responsible for. 800 941 Shaun is a toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, Tracy is in Texas. Tracy, hi, how are you? Welcome to Cleveland and the RNC Convention. Hey, Sean. Hey, listen, uh,
11: you know, I'm definitely a fan of yours. I remember what you did for the guy who was in truck Trump job, but I totally, totally disagree. I disagree wholeheartedly with a lot of the things you've been saying. First off, I think because you're in such a very powerful position, you have to stop that redefining thing. And I, I'm aware of who have the power to define has the power, but I, I heard you talk about the president, Black Lives Matter. Right. Do, you th-
3: do you think it's appropriate for the president to meet with Black Lives Matter? Do you think it's appropriate for the president to say Republicans are social Darwinists, that their plan is for dirty air and dirty water? you think it's appropriate for the president to hang out at the church of G.D. America and then lecture us, hang out with unrepentant terrorists? Really? I don't need lectures from a guy with his background. No, thanks. Actions speak a lot louder than words. Sean,
11: Sean, let me say something, Sean. You're grabbing these little facts and... First of all, Black Lives Little Matter. facts? You think hanging, you, out, with, you, hanging
3: out, hanging out with people that chant, "What do we want? Dead cops? When do we want them?" Now that's just a little fact to you. People are a part of Black Lives Matter, but here's what I want to say, Sean. No, no, no. You, you say changing. these There's things, but you just, you just from... wait. You want to brush it aside? Let me ask you a question. Would you hang out with people that were part of a group that bombed the Pentagon? The Capitol, New York City police headquarters, would you go to the church of G D America? Would you invite to the White House, if you're the, the president of the United States, people the chanting, What do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? Would you do that? Would you do okay, any of those things?
11: Answer it. No, let you let answer let me the, read the question or line. I'm gonna
3: hang up the phone. Yes or no? I ask the question I wanted to ask No, you no. before you and, take me up down the street. I will I will down. let you talk after you answer my question. Answer it.
11: Oh, no, you're right, Sean, no. I, if that Based on how you framed that, no, Sean. So can okay. I can I now bring up the point I want to take? Look at this shift. Sean, a lot of things have been redefined. You said something about Trayvon Martin. Here was a 17-year-old kid going stalled by a skittle and was pursued by a person. We as black people watched this man die and the system let the man go. Tamir Rice, 12-year-old kid shot in the park. Sandra Bland, we watched it all. You, for some reason, you don't think that these two guys who were wrong, the Dallas shooting, let me say that
3: first off, the Dallas shooting and the bad will were wrong. But Sandra Bryant committed suicide, number one. Terrible. And by the way, wait a minute. You know what? You don't know what happened here. You know, this. you're like the president now. Now you're just rushing to judgment. There was an eyewitness in the Trayvon Martin case that identified Trayvon on top of George Zimmerman. The scream was George Zimmerman screaming for his life, and he described a ground and pound of Zimmerman's head into cement, concrete, and that that's when the gunshot went off. So number one, he was found not guilty. Number two, Michael Brown was caught on tape robbing a store, intimidating a clerk, Black eyewitnesses said he charged at an officer after he tried to get the officer's gun. So you're wrong there, too. And the Cambridge police didn't act stupidly. And by the way, Freddie Gray, the four officers so far that have been tried four not guilty verdicts and the president rushes to judgment. No due process, no presumption of innocence. I'm sick of it. I'm tired. He's supposed to be the great constitutional uh, attorney. You know, he's the, the Nobel Peace Prize for this man with all due respect. His rhetoric is reckless. It is irresponsible. Going to the Church of G.D. America is irresponsible. Hanging out with unrepentant terrorists is irresponsible. Hanging out with Black Lives Matters after they chant these horrible things is irresponsible. And then he's now going to lecture the world on the civility and need for civility in politics. I don't need lectures from this guy, and I don't need lectures from you either. Goodbye. Thank you.